Welcome to church this morning. Like as said, my name is Josiah. Uh, I have the great privilege with my wife to be the uh, youth director here. And um, youth takeover, we're, we're celebrating this morning. We have youth camp coming up next school holidays in September. It's very exciting. So uh, I think as mentioned, there'll be a sausage sizzle later. Um, don't blame us on the prices. I saw him adding a, adding a, adding some money there, three for 50. What a bargain. Um, no, but we just want to get as many of our young people to camp as possible because we know that youth camps can transform lives. Uh, and so we don't want anyone to miss out no matter what's going on. Um, but uh, maybe you did walk in, you saw some young people on the door, 14, 15, 17-year-olds shaking your hands, saying welcome, people up on stage, uh, even the ones you can't see, youth students who serve in our kids' ministry week in, week out, because even they want to serve the, the people younger than them. We have an incredible bunch of young people in this church. And so maybe a shout out to all you parents who are leading the way in your families, bringing them along to church or youth on a Friday night. Uh, we just love you guys. We thank you so much for the way that you sow into your own students or your, your children. I see them as students. So, um, but yeah, we, we love you guys. We love this church. We love that we're a generational church that absolutely cares uh, about everyone. Uh, and so it's an honor to share this morning on Youth Takeover Morning. Um, and I loved last week, if you were here, Pastor Az uh, shared this amazing message on faith and about a man called Abraham. And it was an incredible story, one of the, one of the more interesting passages of Scripture to tackle and wrestle and, and come to grips with. Uh, but I love what he said about faith from Hebrews 11.1. 1. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Faith has this incredible ability to help us to see things that haven't yet happened and know that they will. As said, it really simply like this. It's when you know that you know that you know that something will happen. That's what faith is. It's not just a, not just a maybe it will. It's this knowing. Even when it seems impossible to know for real, faith can let us do that. And faith's pretty important. In fact, a few verses later in Hebrews 11, it says, but without faith... It is impossible to please Him, please God. It's impossible to please God without faith. And, and that kind of shows us how important faith is. So important. And we're going we're gonna to keep the kind of topic of faith. And, and I've chosen someone a little bit younger than Abraham that I want to talk about. Um, a young person that I believe has showed incredible faith. A story that's one of my favorites when you look at the Bible. And a story that uh, I just love. It's a, about a guy called David, All right, a man called David who became the king of Israel and he fought a giant. And we're going to look at that today. Uh, an incredible story, so inspiring, his, uh, his lessons, his life in, in faith. But um, kind of want to set the, set the scene of what's happening in this time in history. Maybe you don't know the story because we don't all know this story. Uh, so here's what's happening. The, the nation of Israel at this point in history uh, has looked around at the surrounding uh, nations and seen that they all have kings. They all had kings that, that led their country. And, and uh, Israel is a little bit like, we want one. They're a bit jealous. Uh, so they ask God, we need a king. Can you give us a king? And, and God, up until that point, was leading them himself. And, and that was kind of the plan. But uh, eventually, God allowed them to choose for themselves a king. And uh, they chose this guy called Saul. 
And Saul was what everyone would look for when you're looking for a king. He was the the tallest, the strongest, the best looking, uh, a great warrior. Like this is the guy that should be the king. Uh, But unfortunately, early on in his kingship, he, he made this mistake that completely undermined his ability to be king. And so God knew that he needed to kind of set uh, the next king in motion, get ready for the king that would uh, take over him. And that's where we pick up today, where, where our hero David comes onto the scene. Uh, in 1 Samuel 16, 12 to 13, it says this about uh, the prophet Samuel. He, he says, so he sent and brought him in, this little kid. Now he was ruddy with bright eyes and good looking. The Lord said, arise, anoint him, for this is the one. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. Samuel arose and went to Ramah. This is the beginning of David's story. Up, in, up until this point in Scripture, we've never heard of him. Uh, we, we haven't seen a single verse. It, it comes to this point, and they're looking for the next king. And he's, he's brought in. In fact, nameless, he's brought in. He's just the youngest son of Jesse up until this point. He comes in and um, God says to Samuel the prophet, this is our future king. And so Samuel anoints him. And I love that it says that the spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. That's the first introduction of his name when he's filled with the spirit of the Lord. David's story begins with God. It begins with this amazing moment in his life where God meets him, gives him a call, a destiny, a future, a name. And, and all of a sudden, David is someone that we're aware of. We, we, we're still talking about him today, all because of this moment with God. It begins with God. David's story completely begins with God. And, you know, I was thinking about that because if I'm, if I'm honest, so does my story. My story begins with a couple of moments just like this one. You know, as a, as a kid growing up, uh, up until I was seven years old, I suffered with, with bad asthma. Uh, I'd play sport and I'd end up in hospital overnight on a machine helping me to breathe because of the severity of my asthma. Uh, until one morning I was in church, just kind of like this with my family. And the, the speaker said, hey, if there's anyone here, at the end of his message, anyone here that's got asthma and rattled off all of these breathing conditions, I'd like to come and pray for you. So he called us down the front, and, and me as this seven-year-old kid who grew up in church, when, a, when an adult said something, you listen. So me with asthma, I ran to the front, um, and it, it comes to my turn to be prayed for. And this man that I didn't know, some guest speaker, uh, he put his hand on my head and started praying. And, and this moment that I will never forget took place. This moment where I don't, can't even remember what he said because all that started happening, I felt this wave rush from the top of my head all the way through my body. And it tasted exactly like Ventolin. Now, the people who have had asthma would know Ventolin is what's in the puffer that you give to someone when they can't breathe. Ventolin is the, 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 what, the drug, the medicine that's in the machine that I was on overnight. I was so familiar with this taste and, and I'm being prayed for, not connected to a machine, and there it is. In that moment, I was completely healed of asthma. I've never had asthma again in my life. Like an encounter that changed my life from that moment on. The, the reality of God and the stories that I'd heard as a kid just came to life. The story that I'm sharing today, it came to life. I understood 
in this moment how God could interact with humanity. This moment that, that began this, this journey in my life. And then it came to another moment in high school where I was at a youth camp that this church put on. Right, This is why I'm so excited about youth camp. Because it can change uh, young people's destinies forever. I was in this moment, we had a service, uh, kind of like this one, there's, there's music and a message, and, and honestly, I don't remember any of that. I remember this moment afterwards, there was one last song, and, and I was praying kind of down the front area of this, this service, and, and all of a sudden, it was just like this unreal moment where I was almost talking straight with God. Unbelievable, so immersive, so unaware of everything else going on around me. In fact, I know that's true because when it ended, I opened my eyes. The band was no longer on stage. Uh, they'd gone. There was some CD playing. All of the other kids at camp had left. Uh, they were back at their tents or wherever they were. Uh, and I was left with a couple of youth leaders that were kind of waiting around for me to finish praying uh, and some guy at the back cleaning up. And, and it was just this moment because in that moment when I was talking with God, it was like he was downloading to me my destiny, my future, kind of what happened with King David when, when someone says, you're going to be future king. Uh, I didn't get that. That would have been cool. Future king of Australia. Wish that, that would have been cool. We don't even have a king. We've got a queen. Um, no, so this moment where it's like God was, was revealing this, this future, this dream, this vision for my life, and it, and it changed everything. It's the reason I'm here today, following that call, that call to ministry, that call to, to serve Him and, and serve people. And that's why I'm here today. The thing is, our stories transform when, when it begins with God. David's story completely began with God, so did mine. And, and I know in a room like this, that there's people that have either had that moment that's transformed their life, or maybe you're here hoping for it. Maybe you're here in this room just hoping for something. Something that would change it. Something that would just take life to, to more than just what you're experiencing right now. And the amazing thing is that's possible. God wants to meet you today if that's you, friend. So coming back to David, fast forwarding a little bit in his life. He's had this moment. God's called him. Uh, and we come to this moment where Israel goes to war against the Philistines. Okay, so they're, they're on this, this hill with a valley between them. Two armies lining up. And it's at this point that we, we meet kind of the, I guess, the antagonist of the story, Goliath. Now, Goliath is this giant. The Bible describes him in terms that if we translate that to modern uh, kind of measurements, he's, he's over nine feet tall. Like he's huge, huge. He's, he's, they describe the weight of his armor. His chest plate alone was over 50-something kilos. Like, I don't know if you go to the gym, that's quite heavy just to be like carrying on your chest, let alone the rest of his armor. He's got three weapons. This dude was big, right? And, and we come to this moment in the story, you've got two armies lining up ready to, to battle in this strategic point in their land. And uh, this giant steps forward and declares this challenge. In 1 Samuel 17, verse 8 to 11. It says, then he, Goliath, stood and cried out to the armies of Israel and said to them, Why have you come out to line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine and you the servants of Saul? Choose a man for yourselves and let him come down to me. If he is able to fight with me and kill me, then we will be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then you shall be our servants and serve us. 
And the Philistines said, I defy the armies of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. When Saul and Israel heard these words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. And let's just stop for a moment and picture this scenario. There's a giant who's decided that two armies fighting each other is is a bit too much work. And so he's going to set this 1v1 challenge. Like, Israel, send me your best fighter, and if you beat me, we'll be your servants. But if I beat you, you'll be ours. And uh, we know how terrifying Goliath must have been because the whole army's afraid. They don't want to do it. King Saul, he's not volunteering straight away either. These fierce, trained warriors are terrified at the sight of this giant of a man. No one is volunteering. No one wants to be that guy that loses it. You know, I volunteered, but then I lost to the giant, and now we're all slaves. No one, no one wants to be that guy. In fact, what, what amazed me about this challenge that Goliath gives is it's, it's not just a one-time thing and, and then we come to the end of the story. Goliath comes out. We see this in uh, 1 Samuel 17, 16. The Philistine drew near, presenting himself 40 days, morning and evening. 40 days, morning and evening. 80 times he issues this challenge over 40 days. You know, when we read Scripture, we see this number 40 kind of pop up a lot, and, and it's kind of often to do with a testing or a trial or a challenge. And you see, this giant is standing before Israel's army, just challenging them. 40 days, day and night, and no one steps up. No one volunteers. That's a lot of times. A lot of times. In fact, we know Saul was even worried about it because he starts to offer rewards for the man who'd go and kill the giant. He's like, hey, if, if you're the guy that does it, I'll, I'll like, there's lots of money for you. And, and there's kind of no takers. You see him kind of adding in. He's like, hey, I'll give you lots of money and I'll, I'll throw in my daughter as your wife. Like, princess, it's a pretty good deal. Still no takers. I love this next one. I find this really interesting. On top of all of that, he says, for the person who does it, their whole family is going to go tax-free. Tax-free. That's a pretty good gig. Like We've got tax time coming around, July coming up. Maybe you're waiting on that tax return. Imagine not having to pay tax in the first place. Like This is quite tempting, but still no takers. That's how scary this giant before them appears. No one wants to fight Goliath. But then we come to the moment in the story where David arrives. Okay, because David's not in the army. Uh, David's kind of got two jobs. Uh, he works for his dad as a shepherd looking after his sheep, right? Super fearsome. He's this shepherd boy. But he's also uh, been um, taken on by Saul to play the harp for Saul. So Saul was, was going through these times. Remember at the start, I talked about how uh, God anointed David. He kind of chose David as the next kings and kind of left Saul. So this moment, this, this spiritual turmoil is going on in Saul's life. And so he brings in David who plays worship. Maybe you experienced it this morning in worship when we, we sing these praises to God. There's something that just changes your spirit. Something that you might have walked in here agitated. Something was going on. And it all seemed to melt away. 
So David's got these kind of two roles and he's sent back to the, to the battlefield to where the, the armies are by his dad. He says, here, take some cheese and, and these gifts to give to the, uh, the commanders who look after your brothers, kind of like a bit of a bribe. Make sure his, his brothers are well looked after. And, and David rocks up to the, to the campground, to the battlefield as Goliath approaches and, and yells out another time. And um and this is this is the first time David's heard it and it's and he kind of receives it a little bit differently. Right? He receives it a little bit differently. Everyone else is afraid, but but David is kind of uh he responds differently. I want to show you. And uh so we're still in 1 Samuel 17, and in verse 25 and 26, we see the two different responses. Uh the, the men of Israel said, Have you seen this man who's come up? Surely he's come up to defy Israel. This is their response. They're looking at the giant. Surely he's come up to defy Israel. David says, For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? See, there was this big difference between what the army saw and what David saw. The army saw this giant who was bigger than they against them. And so for them, that was logical. He's bigger than me. He's stronger than me. I can't fight him. But David was totally different. David saw this giant of a man and said, he's not as big as my God. He's, he's not as big as my God. My God is bigger than that. Who is he to defy my God? He had this totally different perspective, this perspective of faith in what God would do. God would be victorious here. And so you see David kind of, he hears this challenge and uh Goliath's like, who's going to fight me? And David's looking at the army like, who's going to fight him? Like he's getting excited. God's going to win here. Who's going to do it? And he sees the, the fear and, and hears about all these rewards from Saul. And I can only imagine that's like adding like icing to the cake for David. Like he knows God's going to win. These things from Saul is just kind of like icing on the cake. So he, he finds himself in front of Saul, the king of Israel. He's standing there volunteering to go and fight Goliath. This little 17-year-old shepherd boy who plays the harp, volunteering to go fight the giant. We see this, this conversation with Saul, verse 33 to 37. Saul said to David, You're not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for you're a youth, and he a man of war from his youth. But David said to Saul, your servant used to keep his father's sheep. And when a lion or a bear came and took a lamb out of the flock, I went out after it and struck it and delivered the lamb from its mouth. And when it arose against me, I caught it by its beard and struck it and killed it. Your servant has killed both lion and bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, seeing he has defied the armies of the living God. Moreover, David said, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion, the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of the Philistine. Saul said to David, go and the Lord be with you. We just see the faith of David. He knows exactly what's going to take place. God has used me to kill a lion. He's used me to kill a bear. He's protected me. He will use me to kill this giant. Such faith. You know, church, I don't know what giant you're standing in front of. I don't know the situation that is terrifying in front of you. I don't know the taunting, maybe like Goliath. It's been consistent day and night for a long period of time. 
We all face these giants, but this faith of David, this, this instruction, this example, this inspiring figure, would we respond like David? So David takes this, this moment. He's volunteered and um, I actually got given this uh, to show to you all uh, after I preached this message last time. So David goes away from this conversation with Saul and he goes and finds these stones. Now this is actually a stone from this valley of Elah uh, in Israel. And uh, the amazing Delia Wilson came in and gave this to me um, and said, I just, this is how smooth, how white these stones were. Uh, maybe, just maybe, this is the stone. <laughs> maybe not. But we'll see. No, but this is uh, really interesting because this is what David does is he, he goes down to this little riverbed. He picks up five smooth stones and he takes them with his, with his shepherd's sling and he approaches the giant. He's not coming with, with Saul's armor or weapons or some big sword. He takes this sling and some stones from the creek to go and fight the giant. Now, I can imagine that Goliath standing there issuing this challenge for the 80th time, waiting, and he finally sees someone coming forward. Imagine peering in the distance, seeing this small figure walking towards him. And as it gets closer, it doesn't get bigger. It's this little 17-year-old David standing in front of him. I'm sure that by this time, Goliath must have been thinking, like, Saul's going to have to come out here himself. Like, like, no one's volunteering. They're going to send their best. It must be the king. Instead, this little shepherd boy walks forward. And Goliath's almost offended by this. Like, he's actually angry that they would send such a small person to fight him. And he's yelling insults. He's, he's cursing him. He's, he's doing all of these things. But we come to the response of David, and it's just so full of faith. It's so full of this heart attitude that God is bigger. God is going to deliver me today. 1 Samuel 17, verse 45 to 47. It says, Then David said to the Philistine, You come to me with a sword, with a spear, and with a javelin. But I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you and take your head from you. <laughs> this day I will give the carcasses of the camp of the Philistines to the birds of the air and the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. Then all this assembly shall know that the Lord does not save with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands." This has to be one of the most epic battle speeches of all time. He's so sure of what God's going to do. I mean, he doesn't even have a sword and he's saying that I will take your head off. Sorry if you weren't ready for something so gruesome this morning. It's youth takeover after all. David, this faith, not once do you think maybe, just maybe, you might get me. Gee, I hope God comes through. He was so sure. He knew that he knew that he knew that this giant would fall. I almost, when writing this, left the story there and didn't tell you how it ended, but I just thought you'd, I know, you'd throw your own rocks at me or something. 
1 Samuel 17, 48 to 51. So it was when the Philistine arose and came and drew near to meet David, that David hurried and ran toward the army to meet the Philistine. Then David put his hand in his bag and he took out a stone and he slung it and struck the Philistine in his forehead. So the stone sank into his forehead and he fell on his face to the earth. So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone. He struck the Philistine and killed him. But there was no sword in the hand of David. Therefore David ran, stood over the Philistine, took his sword, drew it out of its sheath and killed him and cut off his head with it. And then the Philistines saw that their champion was dead. They fled. I mean, what a story. Like what an epic story of what God could do through a young man who had faith. Like this, this story is so inspiring, so entertaining. I reckon we just need to leave Netflix behind and open our Bibles. Like go and, go and read a story. See how epic the history of God's people is. David saw the giant fall because he trusted in God. He had faith. He had faith. He was sure that his God was bigger than the giant. You know, this young man's faith is so inspiring to me. You know, I I can't help but read this story and just pray that I would be the kind of young person that would have faith like this. In fact, it doesn't matter your age here this morning. I pray that we would all be people in this room that would say, yeah, I want faith like that, David. Would we be inspired to to carry this faith, to, to take on the giants we see because we know God has called us. He's given us the victory. It's all about faith. I said at the beginning that without faith, we we can't please God. And the amazing thing is that that's all He calls us to is faith in Him. He calls us, if you've walked into this place this morning and you know that you needed something, this is how God works. He he doesn't want you to to sort out your life and and get it all clean and, and put back together before you come to Him. In fact, coming to Him is the first step. It's faith in Him. It's just about faith, that assurance that He is good, like we sung about. He is good. He will come through. The battles that we face belong to Him. He is victorious, and we get to just walk in the goodness of our God. So as every head's bowed, every eye's closed, I want to give an opportunity for you. Maybe you're in this place and you know that that you want God in your heart, that you've come into this place ready for something and that that thing you've been missing is a relationship with Jesus. See, God sent His Son and He died on a cross so that you and I could have relationship with God again, so that the mess in our life was paid for, that He's forgiven us and He's calling us into faith in Him. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast. We believe this message will inspire you into greater intimacy with Jesus, relationship with others, and influence in your world. If you would like to know more about us, you can visit us online at www.elevationchurch.com.au.